This is the Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. A man who's gone through hell, but he's kept going and he's smart and he's strong and people love him. Not everybody, but people love him and respect him. Roger Stone. Now, here's Roger Stone. Welcome back. This is the Roger Stone Show at 77 WABC Radio. We are the crown jewel of AM radio. And now it is really my great privilege, indeed my honor, to have uh, as our guest Alina Haba, who is an extraordinarily able attorney who represents President Donald J. Trump. Now, I'm a pretty shrewd observer of these things. To my mind, uh, based on her performance, both in the courtroom, based on what I've read, and outside the courtroom, based on what I've seen, I really think Alina Haba is one of the most effective, one of the most articulate, one of the most knowledgeable, and one of the most persuasive lawyers that I have seen in 45 years in the American public arena. And it is my great honor to welcome Alina Haba here to the Roger Stone Show. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Well, you are uh, now a, a grizzled veteran of the New York court system, uh, having just gone through the, uh, the let's call it the valuation trial uh, before Judge Angoran. Uh, where does that case stand today uh, and what happens next? It is completed all but for the uh, closing arguments, which will be January 11th. We are in, I would say, what will be the beginning of a very long haul of appellate procedure on that, because, um, as you know, Roger, the judge found us guilty before we even walked into court. So we've had an uphill battle, frankly, um, with our hands tied behind our backs between gag orders and everything else. But the trial really went very well. Um, You know, obviously it won't be reported that way, but it it has gone incredibly well. We had tremendous experts. We've had people uh, say that they did nothing wrong. We've had the leading accounting experts say that there was absolutely nothing wrong and that the complaint lacks merit. Deutsche Bank came out and said the Trump organization was the big whale that they always wanted, and they were paid loans early. Um, They paid loans on time. They were never in default. This is one big, giant hoax, and it's been a waste of almost 11 weeks, but we're almost there. We wrapped up, um, rested our case. They rested their case, so we, uh, you know, we'll just be waiting. We should get a decision after closing arguments sometime late January, probably. Now, is there currently, it's very hard to keep track of this, is there currently a gag order in place regarding what you and the president can and cannot say about this case? Yes. There is, Um, you know, and the constitutionality of that is tremendously violative, tremendously scary for our country, I think, um, to gag attorneys in the courtroom and out of the courtroom, uh, let alone, you know, leading candidates, really new low for our country, frankly. So, um, you know, we're going to be fighting that as well and, and moving on up and doing what we need to do in that regard. Well, let me say what you can't say, which is I read your cross-examination of Michael Cohen, 
which was nothing less than brilliant, I would say devastating. Now, Michael Cohen is someone that I have, unfortunately for me, known for many years. Uh, he's lied about me under oath before the U.S. Congress. He's lied about me under oath in front of grand juries. Uh, this is what the man does. Uh, he's a liar. I think you decimated him. Uh, and for the state, either in this case or in the, in the uh, other New York case brought by Alvin Bragg to, uh, to rely on Michael Cohen, a, a convicted liar, uh, as a witness seems to me to be a, well, let's say, shall we say, a very thin read. And then yesterday we read that his lawyers applied for essentially early release from his supervised uh, status uh, as, a, you know, as a convict where he's uh, out of prison, but he's still on supervised release. And his lawyers actually cited in their argument why he should be released early three cases that actually don't even exist. <laughs> where, they where, use AI, they think. They use ChatGPT. Could you imagine? So they think that they use ChatGPT or AI and had one of these letters drawn, and the judge has now ordered that they show proof a, of who was involved in drafting the letter, if Michael Cohen was involved in drafting the letter as well, and why there is absolutely no case law and the cases are fake. And it's really I'm really looking to see if they have anything else they come up with, but I'd be willing to bet everything that uh, he had something to do with that, and it's really ridiculous. Uh, it is. We're having a little trouble with your phone connection. I know you have been good enough to call us in between flights uh, as you are connecting. So we, we appreciate that. And we'll we'll roll with it. Uh, the uh, this recent decision where President Trump uh, argued uh, in front of uh, in D.C. in front of Judge Chutkin uh, that any act that he performed on January 6th, was in his role as President of the United States, and therefore he is entitled uh, to immunity, uh, was rejected by Judge Chuckton. The President, uh, Chuck Ken, pardon me, uh, the President was prepared to, I guess, did appeal that to the Circuit Court of Appeals, but now uh, Special Counsel Jack Smith uh, has kind of leapfrogged the, the appeals court, taking it directly to the to the U.S. Supreme Court, where it probably would have ended up anyway, because I don't think having been through the appeals court in D.C., specifically regarding the gag order on me, wasn't optimistic that the president would have gotten a fair or favorable decision there. Uh, but uh, I'm told, I'm not a lawyer, as you know, that generally speaking, the courts don't like this. The Supreme Court doesn't like this. They like to hear things that have gone through the process. Were you surprised by the court's decision? No, I think, you know, there's a stay now, and the judge had to respect that there's a stay in place now pending this decision. Um, the Supreme Court, no, usually you would have to show some sense of urgency. And as we know, Jack Smith's whole motto with the radical left basically is, oh, let's rush this before election. That's our urgency. Um, you know, I was actually, Roger, this morning in the Second Circuit in New York, a court of appeals, arguing against Michael Cohen's team. Uh, we beat him in a case last year, and he appealed it. And I was arguing this exact issue, presidential immunity and, and the scope of it and the importance of a president being able to speak, being able to make decisions, 
and having those immunities in place, no matter who the sitting president is, so that they can do their job effectively. And, um, you know, it's a very important argument. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. But it has stayed the January 6th case, and it's not going to proceed until uh, it is heard. So we'll see what happens there. We'll see yeah. what happens there. But I still have faith in the Supreme Court somehow. I still do. <laughs> uh, well, it's interesting because, of course, uh, they continue to cite the United States versus Richard Nixon, uh, in which the president, Nixon, argued that his presidential immunity uh, meant that he did not have to turn over the tapes. That case was wrongly decided. The Supreme Court, because anti-Nixon hysteria in the country, threw out 200 years of rulings uh, regarding the president and executive uh, uh, privilege, uh, so that standard is a, a fake standard. It may be the it may be the standard based on law, but um, there was no internet in those days, and there was a hysteria in the country. Uh, I believe, just my opinion, that case was wrongly decided. But uh, the greater significance here uh, is that even the Washington Post, perhaps the worst newspaper in the country when it comes to bias and propaganda, even they recognize that what's really upsetting Jack Smith is the, the fact that this has knocked him off his timetable. In other words, they are desperate to bring the president to just prior to Super Tuesday, the greatest single contest for delegates uh, to the Republican National Convention who will nominate our candidate for president. Uh, and it now appears to me, regardless of what the Supreme Court decides, ultimately, uh, that that timetable has been disrupted. So I guess I would say this week has been a good week, no? It was a good week. I think it was a good week. And and like I said, I do have faith in the Supreme Court. They have to be the arbiter. They have to step in and protect, you know, the demise of our judicial system. That's who has to do it. Um, you know, we have separation of powers. We have judicial branch, and they are the head. So I think it was a good week for President I think it was a good week for the Constitution, <laughs> and I hope that, you know, we persist at this rate. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that you have these AGs and DAs that are motivated by politics and trying to interfere with an election. That's really not what you're supposed to do, and hopefully, you know, law will and order will take over. I, I hope so, because I haven't seen it for the past year, to be honest. Uh, as you know, there is no current special counsel law in place, the law that did exist has expired. Uh, there was an argument that was brought unsuccessfully against Robert Mueller when he was designated as a special counsel that uh, he was never, he wasn't a U.S. attorney. Uh, he was never, his appointment was never approved by the Congress uh, and therefore his appointment was illegitimate. That was rejected by the courts in D.C. Uh, those same uh, facts would pertain to Jack Smith. Has there been any thought to bringing that action, not in D.C., but bringing that action potentially in Florida? Because I think the argument has merit. I'm not sure that Jack Smith's appointment uh, passes legal muster. Yeah, um, I can obviously get into privileged communications. I can tell you that there is definitely a strong legal team with me um, thinking of every single angle and uh, issue, and we are on top of it. And, and that's all I'll say on that. So, uh, I, uh, I appreciate it. We definitely that. are fighting for the country as a whole, and, and that is something we're considering. 
Yeah, I appreciate that there are certain matters that you are, uh, because of the privilege, not able to discuss. Of course. We, we certainly respect that. Uh, I'd like you, uh, if you would, for a moment, to focus on Donald J. Trump, the man, because people get an impression of him from his public appearances. And he, look, he's always entertaining. Uh, he, he's, he understands which most professional politicians. By the way, I don't consider him a politician. I consider him a political leader. There's a big difference. Donald Trump will never right. be a politician. But, but people just have no idea what he's really like. Uh, they, they don't understand how funny he can be, how even, yeah. how even killed he can be, how relaxed he can be in a crisis like this, uh, how generous yeah. he can be, uh, how, how I've never seen anybody at his height of power and prominence who cares more about little people. Yeah, that's so true. Tell us about the Donald Trump you know, that you've seen. Yeah, I'm very lucky. Honestly, I I knew the president, obviously, prior. Um, He, you know, there's there's two things. There's the client, and then there's the man, and there's the president, right? So so for me, um, the client and the president are one thing. And then there's Donald Trump. And he is such, I mean, when I tell you, kind to everyone, every staff member, is the guy that waters the plants to, you know, the military, to whoever is around him, people that just want a picture. We have been in situations where flights have been delayed, canceled, and it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and we're in some random airport, and he will make sure that he shakes everyone's hand, takes a picture with them, and has not lost sight of the excitement that people have when they see him. And he's been very famous. Um, arguably the most famous person in the planet uh, for the past, uh, I don't even, before he was president, he was famous, you know. So he's humble, he's kind, and he is funny. That's the truth. And he loves his music. So if you get to see that side of him that you and I have seen, Roger, I think it almost, uh, it's very endearing and it's very kind. And the anger that we see sometimes come out, he's under siege. So, you know, if somebody's attacking your kids, if somebody's attacking your wife, your family, the country you love, you get angry because you care. So, you know, that's my that's that's the person I know. Um, He's very passionate about this country. There is no personal gain for him uh, in this political world. If anything, it's really been quite disturbing for him and his family. But he's passionate about the country. So. You know, he 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 embody he really embodies America, but more importantly, is he emboldens the people around him. You know, I've I've become who I am because he pushes and he supports you and makes you feel strong, and and it's a it's a real gift. Honestly, it's an honor. I tell you where I find a difference. Look, I've worked for four presidents. Uh, the thing about Trump is, he is so completely his own man. In other words, he's not handled, he's not managed, he's not yeah. scripted. He's not fed talking points. Uh, it, we all know he can't script him. <laughs> no, he, he, but he's genuine. He's genuine. Yeah. He's authentic. I think that's why people like him, because I think they look at all these other politicians and they know that, wow, what that guy is saying, that was probably written by some 28-year-old staff member. Uh, right. Trump, Trump right. very much marches to his own drummer. If I had a dollar for every single person who knows that I've known him, for 45 years and says, you know, if he would, 
if he would just stop posting stuff on social media. No, that's right. that's never, ever going to happen, ever. Uh, no, he cannot be controlled. I don't. I don't think that you want him controlled. I think that part of why people felt safe in this country when he was in charge is because he was in charge, you know? And and that's the truth. He listens. Now, don't get me wrong. He listens. He does listen. And he takes in any advisor's advice. He listens to those people. Um, and he ultimately will make decisions, educated decisions, based on advisors and everyone. But And he's surrounded by a lot of amazing people. Um, but he's very well read. He's he's very well versed, and he's very kind, and and he definitely doesn't make decisions to hurt other people. He he truly does have the country's best interest at heart. There's no question that being president of the United States has literally cost him billions of dollars. Before he got into politics, he was universally loved, universally loved across the board. Right. Rich people, poor people, black people, white people, young people, old people, urban people, rural people. Everybody loved Donald Trump. Look how many movies he's been in. Look how many rap yeah. songs he's been lionized in. Uh, he's not doing this because it's some power trip. He's not doing it no. because because he needs the prominence. He's the probably the most famous person in the world. He's not doing it because he needed a big fancy mansion. I'm sorry, I've been in the White House and I've been in Mar-a-Lago. Uh, the White House was built in the 1700s and it, it's beautiful. Uh, I respect it, but it's it's antiquated. Whereas Marlago is well, first of all, it's worth a heck of a lot than eighteen million dollars. But it, it's <laughs> it, it's the most opulent, uh, incredibly uh, historic uh, place you can imagine on earth. And I walked through it with him when he was considering buying it after it had been for fifteen years. Uh, there was the yeah. government owned it. Meriwether Post, uh, the heiress to the Post cereal fortune. Uh, died and she willed it to the U.S. government. The government didn't know what to do with it. President Nixon considered using it as a, as a Southern White House, but then he decided that it was too fancy, too rich, wouldn't play well to his political base. So they basically boarded the place up. Uh, I walked through him with it when he was considering on bidding uh, with the federal government to buy it from them. Uh, it had a lot of water damage. Uh, it, it was dusty, uh, uh, and I kind of said, wow, this is like the Adams family house. I mean, this is like a haunted house. And he looked at it and he said, no, no, you don't understand. This could really be magnificent again. And then he painstakingly uh, recreated uh, Marlago as the original, bringing in artisans from Italy, from Spain, people to paint tile, people to do specific things. Uh, it's one of the most magnificent places on earth. He certainly didn't run for president because he needed Air Force One, because Trump Force One, uh, that's really traveling in style, I must tell you. So he, yeah. he, he he's not in this for any of the accoutrements of being president. He's not f uh, in it for the for the uh, for the grandiosity. This guy really loves the American people, uh, and he hates what was happening to the country, which is why he ran the first time. Look, I tried to get him run in 1988. I tried to get him to run in 2000. I tried to get him to run in 2012. By 2016, he'd had enough. He had enough of yeah. seeing the country losing. He, he, had, he had had enough of the incompetence running our government. Uh, I think you make an excellent point. The great personal cost to Donald Trump 
has been astronomical. And honestly, right now, if he would just quit the race for president and go away, I think they'd leave him alone. The reason they're trying to prosecute him is because he's leading in the polls, because he is poised for the greatest political comeback in American political history. It's true. It's true. Well said. I can't say it better than that. It's true. So uh, going back to New York, if we could for a moment, the other New York case, the so-called business records case uh, brought by Alvin Bragg, which to me should be a civil case. What is the status of that and when when will that go to trial? Look, I mean, you talked about my cross-examination in the attorney general case of Michael Cohen, and I got him to admit um, on the record that he perjured himself twice. New perjury charges, right? So he perjures himself. This is a star witness for the criminal case as well as for Letitia James. They have to be really considering what they're doing. And after seeing Letitia, uh, you know, the press, even CNN today said this is the most bogus case, Letitia James. Uh, I couldn't believe it. It was CNN. Uh, You know, I hope Alvin Bragg's looking at that and considering that before they try and bring a trial. Um, You know, they're still in discovery, not discovery per se, but they're in the beginning steps of a criminal case. And we'll see what happens there. But don't forget, it's another Michael Cohen special. He paraded around and, you know, their cases are crumbling because their star witness crumbled. So we'll see. I don't think that one, uh, you know, will go very far if Alvin's watching what happened with Letitia James. Yeah, it's really quite extraordinary. Uh, You probably can't say this, so I will. The judge in that case made a $15 contribution to Joe Biden's campaign for election. To me, that means the judge has a bias and should step aside. It doesn't matter if it's $15 or $50 or $500 or $5,000. It violates the canon of ethics. It's against the rules for the judge to donate. He did it anyway. There was a legitimate motion to him to recuse himself, and he refuses. Uh, how can that's any? That's the problem. That's the problem. The judges are doing. They have to recuse themselves. So you're actually applying to the judge themselves, saying, "Please get off this case. You have a bias." And they don't want to get off the case. They're high profile, especially these judges that are at the end of their tenure. They want to go be mediator somewhere. They like the publicity. We've seen it in the trial I just did. And it, uh, it, it's really ruining our, our, credit, our credit of the judicial system and the robe. And it's a shame. Uh, I'm kind of interested uh, in how this is, has, has impacted you personally. I mean, you had a thriving legal practice. Now you have arguably the most important client in the country uh, the hours you put in, uh, I mean, I watch you very carefully, and you know I'm a fan. Uh, how, how has this impacted your personal life? You know, I'm really lucky that my children um, have been fortunate enough to get to know the president, and he is so kind to them and my husband and my family. And because of that, I think the tolerance level in my home is very high. But I work all the time. I work all the time. I, I do press. I go to trial. And then I do prime time usually and go to bed and sometime in between try and see my children who are, you know, relatively young. Um, but I have to say that my entire family and my entire support system all are so petrified of what's going on in the country that they are gracious to me. They all help when I need an extra hand. And uh, I'm very, I'm just very lucky. I feel really, Roger, uh, blessed. You've seen me. You know, I'm still smile. I, 
I have a great time. I never complain. I really feel honored to be in this position and, um, you know, take it a day at a time. But, um, you know, when he's 76 years old and he has more energy than me, it just reminds me, <laughs> I don't, you know, to keep fighting. So I, I love it. Yes, it has changed my life completely, but in a good way. And I, and I love it. I really do. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's really amazing, uh, uh, his attitude. I mean, I, I saw him about a week ago. Uh, and uh, look, a lesser man would have would have folded. I mean, uh, they wrote at the end of Watergate. I think this is untrue, but Woodward and Bernstein wrote that Nixon would get drunk at night and was walking around the White House talking to the portraits of former presidents. By the way, I had no source on that. Probably didn't really happen. The thing about Trump is, under all this pressure, uh, he's resilient. Uh, he's determined. Yeah. He's extraordinarily confident. Uh, it's amazing how confident he remains. He's upbeat. Uh, the hours he puts in, you know, I mean, I'm younger than he is by six years. But, uh, you know, as you know, sometimes he'll call you at one thirty in the morning and ask you, what are you doing? Uh, sleeping? Yeah. Uh, sleeping, sir? Uh, he's, <laughs> he's always been that way, by the way. He never, ever required a lot of, of, of sleep. Right. And, and and he's always working. When he's on the golf course, he's still thinking. When when he's dining, he's still thinking. When he's watching That's TV, right. uh, or, or 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 when he's when he's uh, as well as his office hours, he's always working. We used to have this ritual, in which he would fly every Friday afternoon from New York to Palm Beach to spend the weekend of the winters at Mar Lago, and then he would fly back. Sunday night, and I would often hitch a ride because I then lived in Miami uh, back and forth. And I would say to him, you know, why don't we fly back Monday morning? Now, he was already a billionaire many times over. Why don't we fly back uh, Monday morning? He said, no, we can't do that. I said, why not? He said, well, I got to be at my desk at seven o'clock Monday morning. I mean, that is the Donald Trump work ethic. True, true. Uh, he, he's never been in a situation in which, uh, you know, he had to do it, but he, his work ethic is extraordinary. I knew both his parents. They were vital into their 90s. Donald Trump's father, Fred, went to the office uh, until the day he, before he died. He was in the office. Uh, so right. he's, uh, he's of extraordinarily hardy stock. Uh, look, I think you're extraordinarily fortunate to represent him. But at the same time, Damn. I think you have done an extraordinary job on his behalf. I thank God every day uh, for the good services of Alina Haba. Oh, thank you, Roger. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Uh, I want to thank Alina Haba, president for, uh, a lawyer for President Donald J. Trump, for joining us right now on the Roger, Roger Stone Show. God bless you and Godspeed. This is the Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC.